Good morning. How are y'all today? I'm Randy, your associate pastor here, and it's so good to see you all. And those of you who are joining us online, I know that you could be somewhere else, but you've chosen to be here today. And so we're happy to have you and pray that the Lord will speak to you today. Today I want to talk about two travelers, and Joy talked about it earlier, and our scripture today is from Luke. Read along with me, or if you want, find it on your phone app, or if you brought your Bible, feel free to follow along. On that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped, their faces downcast. The one named Cleopas replied, you, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place there over the last few days? He said to them, What things? They said to him, The things about Jesus of Nazareth. Because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago. But there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who told them he is alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the woman said. They didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he interpreted for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. <clears throat> when they'd come to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us. It's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were open and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures for us? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, the Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.
Father God, we pray your Holy Spirit would rain down on this room, on all those listening. Invade our hearts and our minds and our souls and open our eyes to work your will in our lives. Amen. So this is the third part of the sermon series that uh, the first two, if you recall, David was talking about who is our neighbor. We are a sent people. And then last week he was talking about make a friend. So today we're going to talk about be a friend. What does it mean to be a friend? So I have to wonder if we read this story. However, how many of you have ever been hopeless? And think back now, you, you, you lost that girlfriend, Bob, that you just had to have. <laughs> or... Lisa, you lost that boyfriend you just had to have. You were hopeless, right, early on. Now things have seemed to work out. Maybe you lost that job that you you were so uh, happy for. Maybe you didn't get the job. Or if you're in uh, school, maybe you were trying to be uh, on the football team or the baseball team or the dance or the cheerleading team, and you didn't get selected. You're hopeless. That's what these guys are. They're hopeless. If you, if you read in verse 21, we had hoped. When you look at the word hope, it's an interesting concept. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bless you, child. <laughs> uh, we hope you feel better. <laughs> hope is a powerful concept. <clears throat> and if you, if you see on the screen, it, there's a general feeling that there's some desire that will be fulfilled with hope or some expectation met or realized or even someone or something that you had placed all your hope in. So, you know, this is where you center all your expectations. Hope. It's an interesting concept. For our scripture today, I wanted to go ahead and read it all because it's pretty lengthy, but I think you need to hear it all. But to give it a little more context... All this was happening on what day, do y'all remember? Easter Sunday, right? We call it Easter Sunday. So you picked up a little bit on it earlier in the, in, the, in the passage, but the women had gone early to the tomb with spices to dress the body of Jesus. And when they arrived, the stone was rolled away. They peered in, and what did they see? Two angels that said, why are you looking for the living among the dead, he's, he is risen, just like he said, and he's, he's third day, he is gone. So why are you looking here for him? And so the, 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 the women rushed back to the disciples and said, he's not there. <clears throat> In typical Peter fashion, he thought the women's report was nonsense. I'd encourage you to go back and read the first part of chapter 24 to pick up on this a little more. So what did Peter do? He raced to the tomb, peered in, and lo and behold, what they said was true. He is not there. So Christ is risen. So think about all the other disciples that are in Jerusalem during this Passover time. Think about from Friday till Sunday. Their Savior was humiliated. He was beaten. He was crucified on a cross and put in a tomb. So from all that time, from Friday to Sunday, 
Imagine all the chatter and all the questions that the disciples and followers of Christ may have received. So we pick up on our story here with two travelers. What, think about what you do when you have lost all hope. Perhaps when things get tough, you just can't stand it anymore. What do some of us do? These guys chose to do what? Take a road trip. They were getting out of town, right? They couldn't stand it anymore. So they were on the road. And if you, if you read they were walking on the road, you have to think they were not power walking. This was about a seven-mile trip. Cleopas and his friend had to have been talking about what was going on, trying to reason, make sense of all this. And when you walk with somebody like that, you're not walking to where you're on a mission to get somewhere in a hurry. You're walking perhaps in a pensive mood, side by side, a little melancholy in your thoughts, exploring, trying to make sense of all that's happening. Suddenly they hear from footsteps behind them, and Joyce said it earlier, it was Jesus. Now their eyes were blinded and they didn't know this was Jesus. Can't you see it? He says, hey, y'all, what's up? What are you talking about? Cleopas stopped in his tracks. Downtrodden. And looked at him and said, how can you not know what's been going on for the last three days in Jerusalem? What, are you a stranger? Have you not been paying attention? How could you not know? And Jesus said, what things? He kept pressing, kept pressing Cleopas. So Cleopas gave him an account of what had been going on. Jesus, the Son of God, the prophet, the teacher, the miracle worker, had been going all over the countryside, healing, performing miracles, raising people from the dead. Now the religious leaders had taken him. They had him crucified. Now he's dead and buried. Our hope is gone. Their hope was gone. What was their hope in? They had hoped Christ would be the redeemer of Israel. They had hope in the promises that he was saying while he was walking the earth. They bought into his message. Now his message was gone. And so Christ was letting Cleopas talk. He was getting a sense and an idea of where he was in his spiritual journey. And he could tell that he was totally uh, without hope. And so Jesus finally, if you read in Scripture, it was his turn to talk. So he started talking about Jesus and the thread of Christ that was throughout the the Old Testament from Genesis to Psalms to Isaiah to the prophets. And I think if that were you and I walking along beside Cleopas and his disciple friend, How long could we talk about that, Christ, in the Old Testament? I'm afraid for me it might be a short conversation. But seven miles worth, even if they're walking at a moderate pace, that's probably two and a half hours or so of discussion of Christ making Scripture plain, explaining Scripture to the disciples.
So as, he, as they moved along, it was getting toward the, the evening. And the disciples had to have been enamored, just mystified perhaps, in listening to what Jesus was telling them about himself. And if you think back, Cleopas <clears throat> was witnessing to Christ about Christ and didn't know it. Think about that just for a little while. Witnessing to Christ about Christ and didn't know it. And then the stranger who didn't know what was going on is suddenly giving him a whole uh, discourse of Christ throughout the Old Testament. And you had to think that Cleopas was wondering, how could this guy not know what's going on and yet he's telling me way more than I ever dreamed that he might know about what's going on. And so it was getting night, and Jesus made out like he was going on. And they said, no, please, almost begging, strongly encouraging, stay. Please stay the night. So Jesus decided that he would go in with them. And they were about to sit down, and they sat down and had the meal. Jesus took the bread. He gave thanks to you, O God. And he broke it, and he gave it to them. And what happened? Immediately, their eyes were opened. They recognized that it was Jesus all along that had been walking beside them. And immediately Jesus disappeared. And if you read in Scripture, the disciples immediately then got up. Now remember, it's dark. They traveled the seven miles back to find the 11 disciples to tell them that indeed Christ is risen. And their hope was restored, and this was hope that they couldn't contain. They had to tell somebody, especially the apostles. So what can we learn from this? Jesus came alongside the disciples in their time of grief. And he just let them talk as he walked with them. Sometimes just letting people talk in difficult times is healing. And our compassion that we showed just about the ministry of presence speaks volumes. Jesus made scripture plain and clear so they could understand it, even though they didn't even realize they were going to get that discourse. Christ appeared to them while breaking bread, just like he can be real to us when we break bread. And when they went back and told the apostles, they confirmed his mission, his message, his life. And this was that hope that they couldn't contain. So how can we be a friend? Talking about being a friend. How can we be a friend and share the love of Christ with someone who is on their own road to Emmaus? They're hopeless, they're grief-stricken. How can we be that friend and come alongside them? Let me tell you a story about a guy I work with. His name is Larry. I met Larry in uh, 2010, so I've known him nine years. <clears throat> when I first met him, it was very clear that anytime you mentioned anything about church or church groups coming to our park, that he would bristle at this dimension. So Larry immediately went on my prayer list as someone uh, that, that I could see was struggling with matters of faith. 
And then suddenly we had a coworker pass away. This was about three years ago, I guess. And we were in the service, and Larry was sitting in the back of the room, singing every word of every hymn we were singing. How did he know that? This guy that has no place in his life for matters of faith. And as the pastor was reciting the 23rd Psalm, Larry was ahead of him, reciting every word, King James Version of the 23rd Psalm. And I'm thinking, how is that? That doesn't line up. And so I asked him, I said, what's up with this? He said, well, my mom had me in church every time the doors were open when I was growing up. So I know all these songs, I know these scriptures, you know, I know this stuff. But then he kept talking. He said, you know, I lost my daughter at 29. He said, it's not fair. How can there be a God that allows that to happen? That's out of order. I shouldn't have to bury my child. I agree, that's out of order, but we can't explain some things that happen in this world. And then... Maybe a year or so later, Larry's dad passed away. So Laurie and I couldn't make the service, but we could drive over the night before and go visit Larry and his family at the visitation. And it was good to see him in his element with his family and hear the memories of dad as we came alongside him and grieved and suffered with him. And then here more recently, Larry has had some health concerns with at least two forms of cancer and possibly a third looming. And so, as he would tell me about these trips to the doctor, I said, you know, you're on my prayer list, even though you might not want that. He said, okay. I mean, what's he going to say? And then one day he came in and said, it's working. I said, what are you talking about? And he hugged me around the neck. He said, your prayers. He said, I got a great report. I said, that's outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah. And so just this Friday, I was sitting in the hospital room with Larry with yet another challenge. And he said... (laughs) You know, the guys are saying I'm being punished because of my unbelief. I said, well, you know, I don't believe that, Larry. Because I believe you do believe. He said, I do believe. Nine years later, he tells me, I do believe. What a great God we serve. Yeah. So who, do you know a Larry in your life? Who do you need to come along beside? Who needs our companionship on their own road to Emmaus? Maybe the life's been unfair to them in the eyes of the world. And maybe you're the person that can come along beside them as well. Suffering with them, grieving with them, 
celebrating with them good reports. These are in the good times and the tough times. Maybe we even speak truth and scripture to them without quoting scripture, if you know what I mean. You can talk about what's truth without saying, this is in Romans, right? Just don't say that sometimes. So who are you an ambassador for Christ today? Think about that. Who has God placed in your life to walk alongside? If you don't have somebody, pray that God will put them in your life. Look for them on purpose. Be intentional about your time with them, even if it's a disruption to your schedule. Even if it means meeting with them at five in the morning. Pray that God will bring somebody into your life. If he brings somebody into your life, this could be a journey of a lifetime. Not only for them, but for you. Tavon and I are going through a little weekly session that we talk about things of Christ that matter. I encourage each of you to find somebody to mentor or be mentored by. This journey that I'm talking about has lasting and eternal consequences. And it's really all about relationships when, it, when you get down to it. True friend, friends come along beside others as they're hurting. We give compassion. We share our love and our faith with them as God makes clear to us. I pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.